1: Your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, October 6th is just moments away. But before we do this, let's thank our sponsors, SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, our sponsors, the Chicago Teachers Union, sponsor this program, as well as Chicago Reader, chicagoreader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what kind of pot to smoke, and so much more. Go check it out, chicagoreader, chicagoreader.com. Subscribe, and you can help out the Ben Jarofsky Show if you'd like, chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarovsky. J-O-R-A, V is in victory, S-K-Y, and you can be a binhead head. It is Wednesday, September 6th, and live from my apartment and his Aaron, Airbnb in lovely Los Angeles, California. This is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson, and we welcome back Lakeesa Collins. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody.
2: Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Isaiah Thomas was right Wednesday. And here's why. Because Isaiah Thomas was right. That's why. Before I get to that, I just want to say Monroe Anderson has already joined us. I love it when my guests come early. Actually, my guest hasn't come early. We had some technical difficulties before the show started. So we're a little late. Anyway, before I bring Monroe on, I just want to relate this really quick tale. Monroe, hope you're listening, because last time my beloved Bulls were on TV and they were victorious. Yes, the Chicago basketball season uh, has begun, even if it's just preseason. And yes, it's really too early for me to get too excited about the Bulls, but I am very excited. They actual, absolutely annihilated the Cleveland Cavaliers last night, trounced them. It was a humiliating loss for Cleveland. I texted all my friends from Cleveland. Guess what, ladies and gentlemen? They always got something big to say about when the Cleveland Browns beat the Chicago Bears. Oh, they were talking, pounding their chests. Not one of them responded, they all went into hiding. Anyway, it's too early to get excited about the Bulls, but I will say this. Isaiah Thomas, the former uh, standout superstar for the Detroit Pistons who grew up in Chicago on the west side of Chicago, would played his basketball at St. Joseph's High School, kind of not liked by, in his hometown because he refused to shake hands. Monroe Anderson remembers this. In 1991, when the Bulls defeated the Pistons four games to nothing, Isaiah slunk off the court with Bill Lambert. I told you, Isaiah, don't listen to Lambert. It'll only get in trouble when you w- listen to rich Republicans – Anyway. Isaiah's not really loved in Chicago, but last night he was so good uh, on the TV. I have to give him credit. They were having a discussion about the reluctance of a certain Kyrie Irving, a superstar in the NBA, a guard for the Brooklyn Nets, Monroe. I know you don't really follow basketball, but this guy's a superstar, and he's hesitant. That's what we're now supposed to call uh, vaccine. People who are hesitant to take the vaccine, vaccination. I don't know what the hesitation is. It's only been around since February. Monroe Anderson was, like, first in line to take it. He looks fine. Ladies and gentlemen, I see him every Wednesday. The guy got two shots. Kyrie Irving, if you got any doubts about the vaccine, just call Monroe. Anyway, so he's hesitant. He's not quite. This is the same Kyrie Irving, by the way. I just want to point this out One Monroe, who said the, uh, about the guy went to Duke. So he obviously did well in high school and got, did, did well in the ACTs or the SATs or whatever. But he said the well, world was flat. Or
3: he was a good basketball player.
2: <laughs> well, a valid point. He, could, he said the world was flat. Okay. Then he had to retract that statement. Yeah,
3: he was. He definitely was a good basketball player.
2: <laughs> so Monroe, why would anybody listen to Isaiah Thomas when it comes to science anyway? But anyway, so the, here's the thing, Monroe, that really annoys me. You know where I'm going with this. That this whole thing about millennials, they just refuse to shame each other. So uh, he says this preposterous thing that could potentially endanger people's health because somebody might actually listen to him and do what he says, and that is that he's not going to take the vaccine. I don't know, whatever. He he must have read something somewhere or heard something somewhere on YouTube. Who knows? Yeah. yeah Facebook, yes. yes, we'll talk about Facebook. So, Monroe, all like all the other basketball players, they're like, well, you know, I don't, you know, he has his right to his beliefs and I, I support him in his beliefs. I'm like, are you kidding me? I know this is, the, this is the, the rantings of an old man, Monroe, who lives in fear of getting this freaking virus. Guys, it's not about your liberties. It's about protecting yourself and your family. People like me and Monroe, old timers, you know what I'm saying? It's not about your sacred right to do whatever you want. Like if you want to wear blue jeans to work or a T-shirt to work, that's like a sacred liberty. Anyway, is, is Isaiah Bill's, Thomas corrected me. You're
3: free to be stupid. That's it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so- <laughs> Yeah, you're free to be stupid. Anyway, Isaiah Thomas last night, after uh, Shannon Fry, who's another guest on on the show, again, a millennial basketball player, ex basketball player, gave this usual line that I respect whatever Kyrie says. uh, Isaiah Thomas, very. Just in a very respectful way, he said, "You know, Shannon, I uh, completely disagree with you." And then he laid out the reasons why he disagreed with them, and the reasons had to do with just everything you just said, Monroe, the health concern. And then Isaiah Thomas said, "You know, Kyrie, I'm appealing to you not as a basketball player, not as a superstar, not as somebody that the Brooklyn need to win, but as a human being. You, you should. What is that sound? Huh. And um, that you should be caring about the health of your." Uh, yourself, your family, your loved ones, et cetera, and so forth. I thought it was a really good appeal to make. But but not only was he respectful of Kyrie in a way, like he's saying, he cares more about him as an individual than as a uh, basketball player, Uh, but he also uh, made it clear that he wasn't going to, what, pander to Kyrie Irving. And I just like that. I like the fact that he wasn't going to pander to him. And then he said, Monroe, the word's really important. He goes, I've been vaccinated twice. I can't wait to get the booster. This thing works. If you believe otherwise, it's part of a brainwashing. He didn't say that. I said that. But that was his sort of like paraphrase. And Monroe, I've really come to believe that. And we'll start with this, with the Facebook hearings uh, that yesterday in Congress, I really have come to believe that a good chunk of America has been brainwashed
3: by lies. And Facebook has been a, a, a super villain in this thing. Zucker,
2: Zuckerman, Mark Zuckerberg. Yes.
3: Yeah. Zuckerberg. Yeah. Um, my, I, I think I've mentioned this before, but my nephew, 49 year old nephew voted for Trump <laughs> off of what he had gotten off of, from what he had gotten off of Facebook. He was hanging out in the wrong crowd. To which, And when I learned that, it, my, my sister called me really upset about his having voted for Trump and wanted me to talk to him. And I said, well, it's too late. He's already voted for him, but she still wanted me to talk to him. So I talked to him and asked him why, and he said, well, it was on Facebook, and he saw it on Facebook. And every, I said, I said to him, "I'm on Facebook. You should have read me instead of <laughs> whoever, whoever you read." You know.
2: Yeah. It. Uh, the uh, whistleblower Hogan, who was uh, on 60 Minutes this weekend and testified in front of uh, Congress yesterday, was really uh, right on uh, Monroe, and she yeah. just. She said it so clearly and uh, very eloquently and articulated herself
3: very, uh, the point
2: it, it, very clearly that yeah. it's all about money for Facebook. They right. get those clicks. They feed whatever they know. They, they know they feed the right crowd, the right information. They'll click on it, and they'll make more money, and that's all that matters. Right.
3: It's, it's, it's the algorithms. That's what it is. The, and they know which ones to load up. Uh, and um, it, it gets them a lot of clicks. And w- w- what's what's about to happen, mm-hmm. because we ha- we finally have something both Democrats and Republicans agree on, is that big um, media, uh, um, social media, mm-hmm. has gotten too big for its britches, and that it needs to be regulated. And they're, they're, they're calling it a tobacco moment.
2: Okay. So let's, before we get too carried away with this bipartisanship, because I've seen those stories, I've read those stories, I've seen those headlines and let me point, make this distinction between Democrats and Republicans and get your response. Okay. Uh, As you said that Donald Trump, one of the biggest purveyors of liars the most powerful purveyor of lies He's in this not, country. He, he's not oh. one of. He, he, oh, he, <laughs> he, he is one. He's number one, he he's number right? one because he's got the wrong. biggest microphone. Uh, and even if he doesn't realize it, Kyrie Irving has been impacted by it because there's a residual collateral effect that uh, reaches a lot of people. But you're right. So, and, and, and let me remind everybody, Donald Trump started this political game talking about Obama uh, not being born in the United States. So that's where it began with him spreading the lies. Republicans right now, Donald Trump is in court trying to force Twitter to put him back on Twitter. So he wants the right. He's He claims the right to go onto Twitter, to go onto Facebook and make and spread whatever misinformation he wants. He says he has a First Amendment protected right to do that. He's in court suing to, to do that, That to get that uh, back back on Twitter. Monroe, that's much different. That's the exact opposite of what Hogan is saying, the Facebook whistleblower uh, was saying to Congress. She's saying that's exactly the kind of thing that Facebook and Twitter should be guarding against I think when I see the Republicans and Democrats, are, they say, oh, they're together on this. They're talking about two different things. Republicans are talking about the right to say whatever you want on Facebook. Uh, yeah, as yeah, opposed to Democrats saying, it in it Go ahead.
3: Yeah. What they're, the Republicans are also doing is they're protesting Facebook and Twitter because they say that they discriminate against right wingers. And so they wanna they want to make them uh stop quote discriminating is air quotes, uh against um ag- against right wing lying content <laughs> comments. Uh, the left is concerned about um Instagram in particular because um it's, 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 it's like a mean girl, girls thing, high school thing, multiplied by millions. And so wh- what happens is these 14-year-olds, they go on Instagram and um, they don't look like the, the, um, some of the girls who are on or they are, are, are some of the stars. And they, they get body shamed. Um, and they just feel like like really crap. Yeah. I, I think it's six um, or seven percent suicidal as a result of Instagram. Fourteen year olds.
2: Yeah. No, and and Not a good and... thing. Yeah. And uh, the more susceptible you are uh, to that kind of shaming, the more addicted you are to the platform because you just want to see those perfect bodies and Facebook knows what it's doing. And that's, that's what Hagen was saying. They know exactly what they're doing. They they don't care if it's destroying the fabric of our country. They just want to make some money.
3: Right. what, what, What Facebook is doing reminds me of the Catholic Church in the sense that the Catholic Church says, give us the first seven years of their life, and we have them forever. Facebook is doing that with these, these, these um, preteens. If they, if they can get them hooked on uh, one of their products, Instagram or, or Facebook or whatever, if, if Zucker, Zuckerberg can do that, then he will have them forever. That's his thinking. And he's worried about, he's in competition with, with um, YouTube and Google and some other platforms. And he's worried about losing some of that audience to them. Now, keep in mind, Facebook has 3.5 billion people. There are only 9 billion human beings on the earth. So they have more than a third of all the human beings on the earth, and this is why they have got to regulate this because one man with that much power is not a good
2: thing for human beings. Or, or one corporation with that uh, much power is
3: not. Zuckerberg is a corporation. Yeah, it's it's, every everybody you know. And in fact, if 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 he if he called me up tomorrow and said Monroe. How about for uh, 300,000 a year you'd be on my board. You come in and nod your head. <laughs> I might be at the table. <laughs>
2: might? I, I don't even think it will take 300,000. Uh <laughs> You know what would be a great? Just think about just think about how great the world would be Monroe that if Zuckerberg had my numbers in terms of uh, media reach and the Ben show had Facebook number, man, can you imagine if 3.5 billion people were tuning into M- M- Monroe Anderson on Wednesdays?
3: Whoa! Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. This, this my, my speaking fee would be much higher.
2: <laughs> I may have to double your salary. Right. Exactly. Right. All right, Uh, so I'm going to really try to to resist going talking more about the idiocy of celebrities and uh, how Facebook promotes it all, and let's get into some political discussion. So uh, I'll give you the option. Do we start with the the evilness of the Republicans, or do we start with the feebleness of Democrats? Which one do you want to discuss first? Feeble Democrats, evil Republicans.
3: Well, Uh, we can talk about them both because as – For years now, on the Ben Jaroski show, I have been pointing out that Republicans are back shooters. They they will catch you in the alley at midnight and shoot you in the back. And the Democrats uh, are um, by the rule types. They want to have a, a duel at high noon where you stand back to back and you count off ten paces, then you turn around and somebody says fire and you fire. <laughs> and and the Republicans say to hell with that. <laughs> I, I want you dead. <laughs> so that's what I'm gonna do and make sure that you're dead as soon as possible. And so so and the, the Democrats are getting a little smarter. Uh they're, they're 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 now um, staying out of the alley at midnight as much as they can, so they will be easy targets for the Republicans. But they still, they need to, and, and they're getting closer to it, um, carving out um, a, a way to get some of this stuff done. They're, they're, they're going to carve out the filibuster.
2: Okay, that listen. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to hold you off there. Uh, first of all, I love your analogy. Uh, and then the, the, the beauty of the analogy is that every time that there's a do du- another duel, the Democrats forget what happened in the duel before. <laughs> OK, just to just, just, just point that out. So right. and then they're always surprised that the Republicans have cheated and shot them. Right. And then they, then they do what I do, and many Democrats do. They point out the hypocrisy of the Republicans uh, to which, as I always point out, our dear friend uh, Sam Holloway, who's far to the left of both of us, always says, Ben, fascists don't care if you call them hypocrites. They just right. want to win, okay? Right. That's all they care about. Right. All right, so we, there's one and simple way. Fact,
3: they're, they're, they're hypocrites and proud of it.
2: Yeah,
3: it's not a shaming thing for them. So yeah, I'm a hypocrite. but I, I do what I need.
2: Yeah. So we get to, to the the basic issue, which has been the basic issue. Some from, from the moment that Joe Biden was uh, sworn in as president uh, and uh, had a 50, 50 tie in the Senate that he had to deal with. It was the filibuster. And you and I have been saying, get rid of the filibuster and uh, the Democrats, I, I, to some certain degree, I blame Biden because Biden ran as that moderate bipartisan believer in the the rules of the Senate and that he believed in the filibuster. He didn't want to declare that he was against the filibuster. He did that as a candidate, that cautiousness, that fear that he would look too yeah, partisan. Hey, this
3: is so you. Wait you, You're not being fair to Biden. <laughs>
2: OK, go ahead.
3: I, 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 oh, Wait. You're Bernie, Bernie, bro. I forgot it. Why would you be fair to Biden? <laughs> I I forgot about that part. Anyway, Biden was in the Senate for forty years. Yeah. So just like you've been in journalism, and I've been in journalism forty years or so, we 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 have an uh, an ingrained uh, ethic where we believe in trying to be honest. Trying to report the facts um, et cetera if if you do something for forty years, we're curious about things, you do it, then that's what you come with by the, by the time you wherever you go that's what you have you're not gonna, you're, you're not going to be a an old dog learning new tricks at that time
2: okay. All right, look, this defense of Biden is going nowhere. First of all, believe it or not, this is going to stun you. When Joe Biden first got elected to the Senate, I was in high school. That's how much. That's how old he is. Right. I was in high school. Right. Uh, I wasn't even doing journalism except for reading it. All right, so Monroe, here's the reality. Uh, the Democrats, this just gets back to the issue of, of the The Democrats think it's a duel or Republicans just think it's a street fight. The Democrats play have this this fear, this notion that they have to show that they're above partisanship and that they're fair and they're bipartisan. And we see that with the rhetoric here in the state of Illinois with some dimwitted reformers in Illinois talk about fair maps. You see that Texas map? I said, oh, my God, Monroe. The notion of fair maps. It just shows yeah, you how yeah. clueless. Harold
3: Washington are. Was, was fairer than fair.
2: Yeah. Look at what Harold yeah. Washington was the most fair mayor the city of Chicago had ever. Right. Before or since the greatest mayor the city of Chicago had. You and I both know that. You yeah. know, you're a little biased for Sawyer. Yeah, so uh, I mean, look at Sawyer. Even you have to admit harold was yeah. the greatest
3: yeah right now harold was greater than sawyer i just think that sawyer has been um
2: unfairly maligned by history all right but i don't, I don't want to go down that but what yeah. i'm saying is so going back so the democrats like want to show that they're partisan i mean that they're bipartisan and it's like to prove somehow or other if they show they're par- bipartisan fox tv will say well you got to give them credit and democrats Fox TV will will never do that.
3: Democrats are not looking for approval from Fox TV.
2: (laughs) That is not what they're doing. Who are they looking for approval approval from Then, when they talk about being bipartisan?
3: Those Democrats, minority Democrats at that, who want to keep the filibuster are afraid that um, when the Republicans get back in and they don't have a filibuster, that they will be uncontrollable. The reality is, they already are uncontrollable. <laughs> they, they, they scuttled the filibuster to, to um, steal three Supreme Court seats when they needed to. So for the Democrats to worry about what the Republicans might be, you know, be like uh, uh, one spouse um, not fooling around on the other, for fear that, um, that that spouse will start fooling around. And the other spouse is like, uh, every chance he or she gets is doing what they're doing while the other one's trying to behave.
2: Ah, uh, absolutely. and And we see that right now, Uh, playing out with the January 6th investigation. We were talking about this very briefly before we went on the air, Monroe. I know you want to address this. Uh, Subpoenas uh, have been sent out. The the investigators, the congressional investigators, want certain information about who is in alliance with who. And Kevin McCarthy, the uh, Republican leader of the House, says, okay, guys, you do this to us. When we get in charge, we're going to do it to you. And I'm like, you did it. How many years? Yeah. How you, many years of investigation did and us,
3: Clinton? Did- right. You did it to us, and, and when you get back in, you got to do it some more That's Right. You know. It's. You know, it's and, and with McCarthy, he just he, he just said, "This is what we got to do when we get back in." And um, I I'm forgetting her name now. Trump's Trump's uh, former press secretary,
2: Stephanie Grisham.
3: Stephanie Grisham. Uh, she says that when Trump gets back if, if Trump gets back into office, it's going to be a whole revenge thing. That's all he's, his, his whole next term is going to be about taking revenge on those who's on his enemies' list because he won't even have uh, to worry about getting reelected. Yeah. This will be his, his second term and so he can just he can be triple evil. Absolutely.
2: Bob, I got a text from LaKeisha Collins, state representative LaKeisha Collins. Uh, she's waiting for her invite. She'll get that invite. We'll bring her on a little bit. We'll talk local politics. I know probably a lot of people want to hear what Monroe has to think about, uh, Kim Fox, uh, state Senator, uh, state Senator, secretary. <laughs> I can't even get it right. State's attorney, Kim Fox and, uh, mayor, uh, Lori Lightfoot. We'll get into that, uh, when LaKeisha joins us. So we'll continue the national conversation, uh, before, uh, she does join us. Um, and uh, so uh, let's go back to uh, the Republicans in uh, the Democrats uh, in the House. So you see how the Republicans play the game. They're going to get revenge on the Democrats. There's no question if they take control of the House. And right now I'm a little nervous, Monroe. You know, I, I, and I don't know. I said this to you last time. I don't know if this is what the Democrats just do. if They figured out that the way to get uh, their voters to the polls is to scare them. Uh, to fear uh, to uh, incite them by fear Uh, but right now I am nervous about the um, The
3: Democrats have a house divided that's the problem and you know as Ben Franklin said famously either either they hang together or surely they will hang separately and you have have mentioned he, and and I understand what he's doing. I mean, he's Trump. Trump got forty percent more than than uh, Biden in, in in his state. In West and so it's it's a I mean it's 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 a very right wing state. And so yeah. he's bragging about not being a liberal but being a moderate. That's what. That's what the, uh, the, the, the blue dog Democrats are now calling themselves. Uh,
2: state Representative Lakeisha Collins has joined us. State Representative Lakeisha Collins has joined us. Before we bring her on to talk uh, the, um, uh, some local news, to talk about uh, CPS and COVID response, to talk about uh, crime in the city of Chicago, to talk about uh, state attorney uh, Kim Fox and Lori and all those others you should Monroe, i got to ask you this. Yes, uh, so you pointed something out to me that I just had shaking my head, and this uh, gets to the cowardice of the Republican Party, the cowardice of the Republican Party. Uh, now, uh, and we talked to the Democrats. You know, they don't even have uniformity, uh, even when it comes to uh, passing basic infrastructure. Uh, apparently, cinema and uh, Joe Manchin can't see eye to eye, but. Th- the Republicans are so afraid of Donald Trump that former vice president Mike Pence, who is threatened by the insurrectionists, that's who they were going after. Yeah, the they were, the they, were yes. <laughs> <laughs> they were gonna lynch him. Yeah. Lynch him. This man is <laughs> so you were the one pointing out to me, go ahead, tell folks that Pence is backing off on his criticism of Trump. Well, you know, we agree on most things. We right
3: and now his latest thing he was on Fox last night or night before I forget uh, which one but he was on and he was asked about this and he says that uh, the media is focused on that one night as in June 6th (laughs) when they uh, tried to lynch him and uh, because they want to make Trump voters look bad
2: the wow. media, yeah. blaming the media,
3: right? Exactly. Well, that's an easy target, but it's just—it is so ridiculous. Uh, and they aren't going to vote for—they aren't going to vote for Pence. They don't. If 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 if, if a, a, uh, nine months ago, if they wanted to lynch him, they might not want to lynch him anymore. But they—they're not going to want him for president.
2: No, he's true with uh, the Republican Party. When he... Well, he were,
3: he, 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 the thing is, the reason Pence ran with Trump, because mm-hmm. nobody else would. Uh, they were legitimate uh, Republican, But he ran with him because he was going to be unemployed. He was not going to be governor of Indiana again because he did such a crappy job. And so he went with Trump, and then he became... He, his boy Friday.
2: Yeah. And if you recall, uh, Donald Trump in part picked Mike Pence because Mike Pence uh, had deep ties to the evangelical portion of the Republican base yeah. vehemently against abortion rights, vehemently against gay rights. Uh, and so that was Trump's way of trying to reassure uh, the evangelicals that just because uh, he was a party boy from New York City.
3: And just because he he grabbed a pussy every now and then.
2: Yes, and probably <laughs> we don't know this, but I would not be surprised if he paid for some abortions in his time. Oh, probably yeah. because he yeah. put that in the all in the rear view mirror. And now I'm, but you know the funny thing, Monroe? I will close with this. He he didn't even have to do that because he, he the white evangelical community in this country lined up behind Trump anyway, despite all his moral his moral flaws. It it he 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 told them that I was gonna he was gonna be against abortion and that's all it took.
3: Right. Well, so he and, didn't need and hands. And no, and you know, it is, it is, it is, there, you cannot discount the racism. Yeah. You cannot. You know, it's. Uh, I can't remember who said this, but somebody said the most segregated moment of time in in in, in America's in, in a given week is um, Sundays between noon and three or something when they have the sermons.
2: Yes. I'll tell you who said that. Dr. Martin Luther King. That's yeah. who said that yeah, the okay. most segregated moment in America, uh, seg- most segregated time in America is Sunday afternoon right. uh, at church. Right. Uh, right. And uh, yeah. all right, we're going to bring on state representative Lakeisha Collins, the pride and joy of the West side of Chicago uh, to join the conversation. We're going to uh, tilt things more away from national to local. Lakeisha Collins, can you hear us?
0: Yes, I can. How are you?
2: Right. I'm doing well. Welcome back to the show. That good-looking man on the left up there, or right, I guess, is the the legendary Chicago journalist, Monroe Anderson, who joins me every Wednesday uh, here on the City of uh, the Ben Jarovsky Show. Hey. All right. um, Hi, Monroe. So... Uh, Let's start with what you wanted to talk about, which fits in, uh, Lakeisha, with what I want to talk about and with what Monroe and I have been talking about for a long time. In general, it's response to the COVID pandemic and more particular, it's the response of the Chicago public schools. Now, to, people should know this right up front. My show is sponsored in part. God bless them, the Chicago Teachers Union. SDG, Stacey Davis Gates, is a regular on my show. Monroe's smiling because he knows it's true. He's been on with her in the past and I'll say this, Stacy's come on the show and uh, so is Troy LaRabia, Lakeisha, who's with the Principals Association. Uh-huh. And from the get-go, they have si- both of them, principals and teachers seeing eye to eye that they don't have faith in the Chicago public schools to guard kids, parents, teachers, teachers' aides, and principals from the virus. They just have no faith. And Mayor Lori Lightfoot... And whoever was in charge uh, at the public schools and whoever's on the board has essentially told them, be quiet, have faith. We know what you're doing. Just go back in that classroom. And we're starting to see evidence that things aren't as safe as the mayor and her team would have us believe. Why don't you get a little more specific and tell Monroe, myself and the listeners what's going on in particular uh, in on the west side? Go ahead.
0: So, one, thank you, Ben, for um, this platform to give us a chance to talk about, you know, real uh, real politics, right? Not sugarcoat around anything. But um, so what's happening in Chicago with CPS is that I've gotten on plenty of calls with the mayor, um, her staff you know, advocates and families, right? I represent the west side of Chicago and parts of the near north side. And my district in particular is very disproportionately resourced from the school systems, the the access, all of that is is just disproportionate, And so my fear as a mother of three students who attend CPS, that we were going to see a rise in COVID. We were also going to see, unfortunately, some, some families die, Right or a family member died. And so what happened at Jensen, which resides in my district, there were two mothers who contracted the virus from their, their children and they passed away. Um, I'm, I Don't quote me on it. I think it was a week from each other or something like that. But one of the moms actually wrote on social media that no one contacted her, um, that there were no testing and all sorts of things that we knew, um, you know, CPS just wouldn't, Do they kept saying, oh, we're going to put all these safety protocols in place? I remember the mayor, you know, she advocated a lot for it. Um, But again, CPS failed us, right? And so here we are mourning over the loss of two mothers who could have very, who one of the mothers said in her status, like, I've been doing every safety protocol all this time. And now you send my child home, but no one tells me, you know, or no one calls me or anything. And so the lack of, you know, testing in the schools, those shops wasn't even set up. You know, they promised that they were going to do that. They promised they were going to do the testing. We still have a shortage of substitute teachers. So they're still dealing with, you know, um, broken promises. And so I'm disgusted with it. Um, I know I was at a school yesterday on the near north side Luckily, they were doing testing there. But again, it should have never gotten to that point. Um, And we're constantly getting alerts on our phones. I know for me as a mom, where someone could have possibly contracted COVID or where classrooms are now being quarantined. At Jensen alone, there were 11 classroom quarantined out of 17. That's a problem. And so there has to be some accountability somewhere. And it just doesn't seem like there's any accountability with this, uh, with CPS.
2: As far as you know... Uh, is CPS responsive uh, to requests and calls and concerns from teachers and parents? Uh, or is it sort of that bureaucratic, uh, bureaucratic response of, we know, we'll stay, stand by, we'll give you more information. We have it. We're in charge of things. We know what's going on. We hear what you're saying. Stand by. We hear what you're saying. You know, that refrain, uh, Keisha, I, it's been a while, by the way, since I've been a parent of a kid in the system, but, I know that's the way it was when I was a parent, go ahead.
0: It doesn't change, the times are changing, but the narrative with CPS has never changed. I don't think it will, honestly, because there's no real accountability with them. They're their own entity, right? Um, As far as the board is concerned, I know our mayor, you know, does have control over that. But again, she even stated that she was disappointed in how things were going. And so for me as a mother, who fear, you know, her children going to school every day and possibly bringing the virus home, you know, um, it's, it's just unacceptable. It's unacceptable. Um, they need to make sure that they're sanitizing, they're um, disinfecting these schools. They need to make sure that they're doing real follow-up calls, that they're doing the testing, that they're getting more staff, support staff into these buildings. It's, it's just, it's the list is so long, right? It's just, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But that happens in the city of Chicago, predominantly on the west side and south sides of Chicago. So there is definitely um, some strings there. Um, All right. That's happening.
2: I, I want to throw this out there and get your response to it. And uh, I would like to get Monroe's response as well. Uh, I am a believer in mandates when it comes to the vaccine. And uh, I've been, I watch how this has been unfolding. Monroe and I have been, we're talking about this before we went on the air. I was talking about United Airlines and they had a mandate that all their employees uh, had to get the vaccine. And at first there was resistance for some of the employees were going, you know, we got our liberties and blah, 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 blah. Uh, Now, last I saw, I believe it's 99% of employees uh, it's over 90%, whatever it is. I can't get maybe the yeah, exact it's, number. It's, it's,
3: it's, an, it's, nine, it's between 96 and 99.
2: Uh, so, wow. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. Of the employees. Now they won't go so far. Here's where we get into the funny stuff, Lakeisha. They won't go so far as to say passengers have to have the vaccine because they still, they know the resistance and they, maybe passengers will go to the American airlines. You get what I'm saying? They don't want to lose money on it. So that's, that's, we go so far, but we is, to it,
3: according away. to the United CEO, they encourage their parent, their, their, their passengers to wear a mask.
2: <laughs> well, no, you got to wear a mask. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. I mean, you can't get in an airport without a mask. I just was right. in an airport. Right. You walk in, you got to put the mask in the airport and right. they'll kick you off the plane if you take your mask off. So here's where I'm going with this. I'll ask, I'll start uh, with Lakeisha Collins state representative Lakeisha Collins. And I'll go uh, to Monroe. I'm at the position where I believe the city of Chicago should implement a vaccine mandate for all adults. Obviously, children have not been uh, uh, cleared to get the vaccination. All adults who go into a Chicago uh, school, the, the employees, every employee, every parent and really every what is what's the age now? What's the cutoff? Uh, Fifteen. Is that what it is? Twelve. Uh, Uh, for for kids your response your thoughts on that uh state representative collins and then we'll turn it over to monroe go
0: so yeah being it is definitely a touchy situation i mean we're getting a lot of pushback from some folks um who believe that we're trying to take away their rights right but the reality is that we've lost too many lives during this pandemic that could have been prevented right um and i'm i'm a firm believer that you know um Your rights is your rights. But we're talking about a virus that is killing thousands of people, children, like it's it's no discrimination, our seniors, our loved ones. And in my communities that I represent, because the um, reporting of the virus is so high and because there are a lot of health conditions because of the environments that folks live in, um, it, it is important. That families go out and get vaccinated and get their kids vaccinated as well. So, yes, I mean, I'm vaccinated and my sons are vaccinated, too, except for my eight year old, which I'm concerned about that because he has asthma and he's going into a school where they're possibly not going by safety protocols. And so with him, he catches it. My fear is that I would have to be preparing for a funeral for an eight year old. Right? That's just the reality that we're all living in. So it's our responsibility to make sure that we're, we're protecting ourselves and protecting the folks that are around us too. So, yes.
2: All right, Monroe, your thoughts? My thoughts are that
3: they've, they've had vaccinations to get into school to begin with. In kindergarten, there's certain measles. Um, um, it's a bunch of diseases that are, are transmittable that they have to be vaccinated again against before they get to go to school this is just a new virus and a new vaccination and it's is is um much deadlier than those yeah. other ones that they're required to take so it makes no sense whatsoever and this whole f- freedom argument is crazy you 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 don't you, your your freedom stops um, at your ability to kill me mm. by giving me a disease. Mm. So this is, you know, this is, this. I, I don't even understand the logic that's, that's going down with this.
0: But I also think Monroe is just a lack of education too, you know, and then you have folks who are just, they just don't understand the virus right. and the importance of being vaccinated right they're not even thinking about some I think some folks just they don't think about the fact that yes your kids have to have all their shots up to date right right and I know for me I was hesitant at first because I was like where did it come from but once I got educated about the virus and the fact that it's already been here this is just a deadly strand that can actually mutate into a more deadlier strand right We're seeing that happen right now. Uh, I had to make a a life or death situation uh, choice, right? And I chose to live, and so I I got vaccinated.
3: Yeah, and I was, I was, I was anxious get vaccinated because it's because while I don't have any underlying conditions except for one and that's I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> and they and they say hey, you're old.
2: See, Lakeisha, old, old this is,
3: is an underlying
2: this, this is a generational thing. And <laughs> right? Monroe and I are the same generation. He's a little older than me he tries to cover that up. But he, we're <laughs> of the same generation, all right. We basically grew up at the same time, listened to the same music, watched the same shows, all that. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'm going to be honest, I'll speak for myself and see if Monroe When I heard there was a vaccine, the doctors were saying there was a vaccine, I'm not going to pretend I did my research. I'm not going to pretend like, you know, like LeBron. Well, I did my research. Well, LeBron, you didn't do any research. Okay. Right. <laughs> Stop it. You did <laughs> not do any research. Okay. All these people, well, I'm do, Anthony Rizzo of the Cubs. So I'm going to do my research. And they no. You're not doing any research, so I didn't pretend I'm like, "Oh, the doctors say there's a vaccine. Like, who am I to doubt what like 99 percent of the doctors are saying? I'm like, "Where do I get this vaccine?" Right. And Monroe was the same way. Right. We were like having a race. Who is going to get it first? And he right. won. OK right. <laughs> So it's a generational thing. I feel as though, oh man I'm going to get in trouble with all my millennial friends, but I do believe that the millennials are more susceptible. Uh, to the BS they hear uh, all around them on Facebook and social media and YouTube. Now, LaKeisha, I want you to defend your generation and tell me that-
0: I'm a millennial. (laughs) (laughs) And and I have staff who are millennials too and they're vaccinated. So (laughs) um, I think it's just, you know, it it depends on the environment that folks are in, how much of social media that they take in, because I'm on social media a lot too. But I don't believe everything I see on social media. Again, it was a personal choice. It has to be a choice between living or dying. And at the end of the day, my choice was living. And yeah. a lot of folks that I've talked to, my constituents, who I encouraged and I held vaccinations at my office, right, um, and you know, collaborated and held them at my office as well, um, and promoted it that folks will come in once they get that initial education about it. Um, and, you know, and walk through the process. Um, I think that we can put as many clinics up in these communities as we want, but if we're not like literally honing in and having these one-on-one conversations with these families and then, you know, going from there, the clinics are just there waiting for folks from other communities to come in who want to get vaccinated to take up those resources. Mm -hmm. It's like, don't wait till the last minute when, you know, anything could happen. Don't wait till the last minute to say, I wish I would have gotten it or y'all got some more somewhere, you know, yeah. but because the more we go without being vaccinated at what was it at 80 to a hundred percent or something like that, the virus is going to keep mutating it's yeah. going to be become resistant to the vaccinations that we have out there now. So then we're looking at another surge of deaths, you know?
2: Yeah, I, that was well put. Uh, that was a really good riff. And, uh, I'm with you 100% on that. And that's why I started the show by saying how much I appreciated what Isaiah Thomas said on the basketball game in the, the halftime show of the basketball game last night, uh where he was just trying to reassure, he was trying he was trying to give a different point of view of like how to get Kyrie Irving to change his stance against the vaccine and he just put it kind of the way you did. You know it's a health issue here, folks. You're talking about the health of yourself, you're talking about the health of your the people you love the most, people like in your family you know, in your school and your community. And, uh, so yeah, I just, these basic attitudes have to change. All right. We're going to shift gears and uh, talk with about, probably about the most, uh, contentious issue of the day right now. Uh, the public feud that has uh, erupted between, uh, our mayor, uh, mayor Lori Lightfoot and our state's attorney, uh, Kimberly Fox over prosecuting, uh, people who were involved in the shooting or may have been involved in the shooting. It's not clear if they were involved in the shooting. Uh, and uh, I talked about this at length yesterday with state Senator Robert Peters. If you want to hear what he had to say uh, on the matter uh, from yesterday's show, it's something it's a, it's a, it's really kind of on everybody's mind. Cause in part, uh, Lakeisha, it's the issue of crime, how to deal with crime. And in the other part, it's just the fear that people have. And then it's the politics and it's the personalities. Um, so we'll start with the most basic and we'll, uh, we'll start with you, uh, state representative Collins, and then we'll go to Monroe. Um, when you hear, Kimberly uh, Fox defend herself uh, from Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Uh, Is your reaction one of sympathy to Kimberly Fox uh, or is your reaction one as a person who lives in the city of Chicago and just wants someone arrested? I don't care who it is. Just arrest someone. Someone's got to be arrested because this crime is so horrific. Just throw someone in jail and then I'll be happy. So if, if, your response go ahead
0: that would be going backwards if i was to say just throw someone in jail you want to bring justice to, uh to the right folks right um i totally get this because i am in this space where you know it's easy to say was well, this person fault or is that person fault when reality is that It's not one person's fault. I think the violence in the city of Chicago existed long before Kim Fox became state's attorney, long before Lori Lightfoot became the mayor. Um, I've said this a thousand times before, Ben, that if we do not address the root causes of violence, such as poverty, um, lack of access, this ongoing pandemic that we see right now, resources, the violence is still going to exist after state's attorney Kim Fox and after Mayor Lightfoot. Um, for me, I feel that there's a lot of layers um, in curing the violence in the city of Chicago. It's not going to happen overnight. And it doesn't rely just on Kim Fox's shoulder. Like, we're all going to have to come together and come up with solutions to attack this issue. I think, too, because I have constituents who reach out, the ones who reach out, it's a little bit different from the north side and the west side when they talk about this issue, um, where folks are like, yeah, we need to lock some folks up. And it's like, You get that mentality, then you're locking up innocent people just because of a profile. Because we have to remember, there are people who are biased. And oftentimes, black men, uh, black boys, brown men, brown boys are targeted the most. Because, quote-unquote, they fit that profile. So, we don't want to go backwards. We want to go forward. Um, I don't think this is a time to point fingers at anyone. I think Kim Fox's response was a good response. It's just... You know, it's unfortunate, but at the end of the day, I just feel that this violence that we're seeing in chicago is is skyrocketing from a number of things, and until we pinpoint and start working at the root causes, we're never going to fix it. It's going to continue to skyrocket. All right, Monroe, your thoughts.:
3: Yeah uh, it goes it It, it, it goes back uh, for um 30 years or more. You know, the, the crime bill that um, Biden, Senator Biden brought us that became a political liability for him um, is one of the root causes because what that bill did was ended up, it, it, it resulted in a prison um, culture in okay. the black community because you were sending all these guys to jail And um, they they were hanging in in jail, and so the fashion statement became pants hanging um, down uh, below your, halfway down your butt because you couldn't get a belt in prison. So that was the look. Uh, At one time, they weren't wearing shoelaces because, again, they were taking, uh, in prison, they didn't let you have the shoelaces because they didn't want you to strangle yourself with it or something, hang yourself. So they took those away. Then you got, as a result of that, you got gangster rap. Mm -hmm. And everybody became tough. In the meantime, in all the the cities, Chicago included, the uh, industries that can hire people are moving to the suburbs. And so it, it, it spiraled down and down and down. Until now, there are a lot of young black men in this city, that don't expect to live to be twenty-one, mm-hmm. and so if you don't, if life is, doesn't matter, you're not going to be lived to be twenty-one. Then somebody insults you on Facebook, you go shoot them. Oh, there's one other factor: um, the, this, uh, the city was successful in breaking up the gangs, the major gangs, mm-hmm. by putting the leaders in jail. And so you have a bunch of little gangs now and wannabe gangs. You have no but nobody controlling them. Oh, yeah, 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 no yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, so it's oh, a mess.
2: Okay. So I buy a lot of what you said. You're I was afraid you were gonna head into Bill Cosby country for a while, but I buy most uh mostly what you said. No, That's I am going weird. into Bill Cosby country. <laughs> uh don't you remember Bill Cosby? But, before he got in trouble, would give those lectures about sagging jeans and stuff. Oh yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. But that, no it, I, I was pointing. No, I didn't mean you were going out. to
2: Bill Cosby country the other way. Yeah, right. Uh, exactly. Right. No.
3: Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> I did not mean that. No, I, I, that was just that was an observation. You saw that yeah. happening. Yeah, yes. No. No. No.
2: But Monroe, here's the point, point. I say yeah. this, and I, I just always want to get perspective on this, because I, I like what Lakeisha was saying because we've only tried it one way in the city of Chicago for as long, I've been in Chicago since 81 and I've been following Chicago politics for before that, when I was living in Evanston and I just, it's as long as I can remember LaKeisha Collins and Monroe, there have been people shooting each other in the city of Chicago. And it's like, it's not something that just stopped. started when Kimberly right. Fox became state's attorney oh, yeah, yeah. or yeah. when Lori Lightfoot became mayor. It was happening during the 90s when well, Richard I mean, M. Daley, your beloved mayor of the city of Chicago, Chicago, was your mayor. Well, there were people was, killing
3: each other left and well, right. Going back before that, uh, before you got to Chicago, mm-hmm. I, I as a Chicago Tribune reporter, people were killing each other. Yeah. I, I can remember one story where – uh, these two brothers were arguing over a TV show and who's going to, one wanted to watch one thing and this is pre-cable. So you only have four channels, so five channels anyway, are you know, what they're going to watch and one got a gun and shot the other. Yeah. So, I mean, this is not a new phenomenon by any stretch of the imagination. What is new is that uh, the guns are more lethal and a lot more of them.
1: Yeah.
0: And they're more accessible to our young folks. Exactly.
3: Exactly. I was reading an
0: article um, where they were interviewing a 14-year-old male and a 16-year-old. You know, they were just seeing how it's easy to buy a gun offline. Um, And and it's cheap for them to buy it offline, too. But the the 14-year-old stated that, you know, he thought it would be cool to do carjackings and it hit someone up beside their head because he saw it on Grand Theft Auto, which is something that, you know, folks are like a video game can't make you do that for a child. It can because they're conditioned on on what they see. And the fact that he said, you know, I thought it was cool. So that's why I did it. Mm -hmm. It says a lot about what our kids are being exposed to. Um, Mm -hmm. And then again, poverty. And I say it all the time. If you go without for so long, where are you going to go? Your mindset is always trying to survive. If if you don't have access to get something here, you're going to go take it there. And that's what we've been seeing. I know I've, you know, been on this earth for 35 years and dealing with violence in the city of Chicago. For me, it's become the norm. Right. When you hear about these killings, it's not shocking anymore. It's just like it's getting closer and closer to downtown.
2: Right. Uh, well, now we're getting into let's get into the politics of it. Closer and closer to downtown uh, yesterday or the day before uh, Ken Griffith, Ken Griffin, the uh, richest man in the state of Illinois. I think he's the richest man. If he's not the richest, I apologize to whatever billionaire is ahead of him. Uh, and he's also a major funder of the Republican Party, major funder to Bruce Rauner. Uh, and uh, he gave a speech where he declared that Chicago was more violent than it's ever been before. And it's uh, every part of the city is dangerous. I think he totally exaggerated, but whatever he gave his speech, man, it's first amendment rights say what he wants. And all the newspapers have been uh, reporting it and saying they treat this man like he's a visionary, you know, because he's rich. We, we revere wealth in this country so much. Lakeisha Collins. Well, he's rich. He must be smart. Anyway, uh, and so he said, well, I may take my company out of the city because that's how dangerous it is, he, even though I don't know anybody who's employed by his company. So it's like it's not like it's going to hurt the neighborhood of Austin if, uh, oh, boy, moves his business to New Jersey, wherever he wants to go. Anyway, uh, and, and, so if, now, and
3: if he was as concerned as he claims to be, what he would do is, is bring a factory into the city to give some of these people a job.
2: Okay, that's not what Kenny G does. He's a money man. He doesn't build factories. He doesn't create jobs and help
3: people. Right, exactly. He
2: he exchanges things and makes money off of the the deal. He makes money off of money. Yes, he makes money off of money. And then all the reporters in Chicago, man, is he smart. Anyway, my question is this that the reality has become a political issue. Lori Lightfoot is clearly sensing that uh, it's a it's important for her to be in the opposite side of Kimberly Fox on this one uh, than she had been you know, before. I, mean, I don't know if you remember this from last year. The last time this thing erupted, uh, there was like a veiled criticism of Kim Fox by Lori Lightfoot. And then when reporters asked her about it, she snapped at the reporters and said, don't you try to put words in my mouth. This is not a he said, she said that type of thing. And I love Kim Fox, something like that. And, uh, and now they're not even that veiled. It's become a political issue and it's politicians trying to look tougher on crime. And I've watched this one, Monroe and Lakeisha, I've seen this show play out when the politicians feel compelled by the Ken Griffins of the world to get tougher on crime. That's when the sweeps of the streets come in. People let's, you gotta, like I said at the start, someone's gotta be arrested. Let's arrest them. Lakeisha as a state rep, as a person has to go before the people, uh, for your election. Are you feeling the law and order heat right now?
0: Mm. As far as what, folks making me choose a side? Is that what you're yes. saying?
2: choose a side and take a strong stand. I, Go ahead.
0: Look, I support who I want to support. That does not take away from my, my views and the work that I'm doing as a state rep and how I represent my district, right? Um, I never want to be in a position to where I'm going against another elected official uh, to team up with someone else. Um, And I'm not saying that to say that that's what the mayor is doing. It it could be, but that's not what I'm saying she's doing. I'm just saying I never want to be in that position. I support Kim Fox. I think that Kim has a job where she has to make hard decisions every single day. And yes, she's getting a lot of the the blowback from the, the, the record long of mishaps that's been happening in that office. And so, you know, for me, it's more of like, how can I, you know, show up as State Representative Lakeisha Collins and then be able to have these hard conversations with folks in my district on why I would support her, right? But also, this is what I've done for you. Your choice is your choice, but at the end of the day, don't persecute me for that. And so um,
3: where, where are your black constituents on this? Lakeisha,
0: I haven't had anyone tell me you better not support Kim Fox. Yeah. Even last time when that whole thing came up with her um, in her last election, you know, I was knocking on doors. I had people ask me, who are you supporting? And, you know, I'm like, well, I want you to support me. But, yeah, Kim Fox. I mean, I spoke on your show and told you who I was supporting in the middle of my campaign. Right. Um Cause at the end of the day, you know, people on the outside looking in, you know, are always gonna think that things should go a certain way until they actually get into that role and realize what they're dealing with, right? So I just think it's a tough job. It's a tough job, period, you know, being an elected official and living on a public platform. Because people are never gonna be satisfied and they're gonna always judge you over anything. So. Yeah.
3: Lakeisha, L- L- before you were born, nineteen seventy eight, <laughs> I was I was at 26 in California uh, for the Tribune, covering the courts. And it was the most depressing time, uh, one of the most depressing times in my career, because being out there, there was this whole us versus them mentality, where the cops were white, the prosecuting attorneys were white, and all the people going through the system were Black for the most part, I mean, 80, 90%. It was amazing. And um, it had this racial tinge to it that um, was occasionally voiced, but it was mainly a you understand that we got to keep these these natives under control. And it it was just, it, it was very depressing to me. And so Kim, what she's done, she's come there. And basically what she's saying is, we're not going to stick every black person we can get our hands on in jail. Uh, and we're not going to keep them there because they can't afford to, to post bail. And so I, I applaud her for that. Um, and I, may, maybe some of the violence that's going on, uh, maybe because people, some people or out on the streets, that should be, that it should be kept behind bars. But I, I think overall it's a better move to um, try to have a less punitive um, judicial system.
2: Monroe, do you, do you think, uh, Monroe lives uh, on the north side, we say this all the time, do you think uh, <laughs> exactly. most of your uh, white neighbors agree with you on that?
3: Uh, no, they don't. They don't. Yeah. There's there, there there's this um, community newspaper uh, website we have called um, Next Door Neighbor or, or something like that, and where people write. It's it's like Facebook for the city, and they write their opinions and they you know well they want to know where they can get a babysitter or a nanny or where a good plumber is et cetera. But they also comment all the time on the crime. They talk about the porch pirates. They talk about um, the robberies. Uh, They talk about how they're afraid to go downtown now because it's so dangerous. This used to be a beautiful city, but now the crime, because of the mayor and because of of, uh, Fox, uh, these people feel that they can do crime anywhere and anytime at will because they're not going to be punished for it. So that's the mentality of most white people, from what I can tell. Not all, but a lot of at least those that are being vocal. That's the opinion.
0: Yeah. Well, well, I mean, even if you think that way, it's like, well, what's the who's to blame for the violence that was happening before then, right? Right. right. Um, because again, there was violence or some type of crime happening on 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 each side of Chicago. Chicago. it just looked different. You might have more yeah. shootouts on the west side and the south side. On the north side, you have more robberies, right? Yeah. Um, non-violent robberies over here. Now they're becoming more physical and more, um, you know, people are using guns and things like that now. And you have kids who have more access to guns. And so again, for me, it, it goes to, I, I look at everything, like all of this is a puzzle, right the state's attorney office can't fix this alone right the mayor's office can't fix it alone the, the law make, we can't fix it alone we have to be able to collaborate together and sometimes you just don't see that you see everybody going against each other um but honestly it's gonna take everyone everyone um and people are gonna Respond to this violence differently, but I have some older Black folks who are like, "I'm afraid to walk down the street, my seniors. I'm afraid to go down the street past five five o'clock. Like no one should feel unsafe."
3: Right.
0: And you know we can't just point one finger. We have to make sure that we're, you know, getting a whole scope and attacking it all together. So.
2: All right, uh right, we're. I'm gonna close with this and uh, this. Again, a generational thing. I apologize to Lakeisha. Uh, and uh, <laughs> she's like, why? These are old people on this show. <laughs>
3: this has been on my M- mind. Lakeisha, M- 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 you are being taken <laughs> to old school.
0: Oh, my God. I, um, yeah, <laughs> I respect my elders. <laughs> Thank you.
2: You got two of them right here. Uh, so uh, this has been on my mind, Monroe. And I sent you the little uh, the newsletter I wrote for a reader. I saw a picture. Uh, on facebook the other day of uh, jimmy carter president jimmy carter uh, visiting uptown in the 1980s tom clark i believe took it shout out tom and uh, harold washington the greatest mayor of the city of chicago ever had uh was in the picture and brought back a flood of memories but i started thinking about jimmy carter it was and and tom had put it on his facebook page of the picture uh, because Jimmy Carter just turned, I think it was 97, good guy, 97 97 years old. He's even older than me and Monroe. And so he, I started thinking with a tremendous amount of appreciation for Jimmy Carter, ex-president, the life he's led post-presidency, and just the fact that he would do things like going into a neighborhood with his church group and build affordable housing, you know, with hammering the nails himself. And I just started thinking about the other ex-president who comes to Chicago from time to time, Barack Obama, who was in town uh, for the uh, op- the dirt-digging ceremony of the uh, Obama Center, which will be a gentr- gentrifier on the south side. We had, at this very time last week, Uh, Dixon Romeo, young activist from the South side. Monroe was on with Monroe and myself. And he was talking about gentrification uh, on the South side and really opened my mind. And Monroe, I just had a profound amount of respect for the way Jimmy Carter has gone about his life post president most powerful man in the world. And yet once he left that power, it seems to me that he just thought about how he can make the world a better place and didn't think about how he can make Jimmy Carter wealthy. Whereas Barack Obama seems to be about building the brand, being a celebrity, making money, and building these grandiose uh, tributes to himself. Am I being too unfair to Barack Obama, Monroe Anderson? Go. Yes, you are.
3: (laughs) First, First of all, since... Um Roosevelt or some somebody way back when they've been building presidential libraries. This is not starry with Barack Obama. What's what's actually kind of nice about what he's doing is going to be an active center, not just a, a warehouse for books and papers. But the, uh, the young, young blacks are going to be able to come there and learn leadership, etc. Uh, but the, the, the reality as for presidents is that. Presidential libraries are like pyramids, were for the ancient uh, Egyptians. It's 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 that it's a monument to them and what they did. And that's just like it's going to be interesting to see what the Trump <laughs> Library looks like. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 anyway, uh, and the Obama has not has not. Uh, it's not going on the mission that um, Carter went on. But there's a couple of things for that is that Carter came. He was a peanut farmer when he started, and he had a failed presidency. And so he's, he's trying to um, rectify the things he blew. He, he decided he going to do that. He was not a good president. He was going to be the best, best, best after president ever. And he has been. There's no question about that. Obama had a a successful presidency, although he he was hobbled every which way by the Republicans. and he 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 got through it. He gave us um Obamacare, among other things. And so and he's still young. And you know, five years from now, he may be um, building houses for the poor. But right now he's just enjoying his celebrity and, and, and opportunities that he didn't have before.
2: All right, Lakeisha, we'll let, give you the final word. Am I being too unfair to Barack Obama?
0: I mean, your opinion is your opinion, but you know, for me, um, I agree with Monroe. I agree with him on this one. Um, I would like to see, you know, um, Obama do more in the city of Chicago Um, and I can only speak from, from what I would do, but, you know, to put a a library in that area where we know gentrification is going to happen and we're not being real about the conversation, because I've heard the stories. I haven't really focused on it as much. And that's just me being honest, but I've heard the stories. I do know Dixon Romeo. He talked about it, um, but i've also heard from other folks who live on the south side and how they feel it's a lot of mixed you know feelings about it right folks want to see a presidential library over there folks you know love obama and then you have some folks who are just like mm, you're about to displace a whole lot of people and i'm not for displacement right but um i do believe that you know this happens all the time and he should be no different but at the same time we should make sure that folks can keep their home and enjoy The presidential library, the ones who live there. So it's a
2: a battle, right? uh, My favorite part of what you had to say was, "I'm entitled to my own opinion," which is generally a a nice way of saying what a dumbass opinion. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's kind of like me talking about Kyrie Irving. Well, Kyrie, you're entitled to your own opinion, (laughs) Uh, uh,
0: but (laughs) seriously, you know. The West Side of Chicago, because that's, that's that's where I represent, that's where I'm focused on, right, is that folks want to see development. My goal and my, my main point has always been we can have development without displacement, but we have to have conversations. We have to have community agreements. We have to make sure that we're securing the folks who live there, who are second and third generations, And so if that's not happening on the South side of Chicago, then yes, we're looking at a massive gentrification. Folks are going to lose out. I don't think folks are really thinking about that right now, but that is eventually what will happen. Right. Um, so for me, again, I just, it's, for me, it's a mixed feeling because yes, I I would love to see that. Um, but at the same time, I I worry about the families who are there.
2: I, uh, I, I, I wanted the Obama library on the West side. This it's not, a, uh, I like you said, there was a, a proposal for a site. I don't think it's in your district. I think it's a little South of where you are uh, for area off of Roosevelt road. And it, it would be built in conjunction with UIC. That was one I was rooting for. It was, this is about six or seven years ago. And uh, the Obama's made it clear. They wanted it uh, on the South side. It was their choice. It's his yeah. library and Michelle Obama's from the South side. So the West side got overlooked again, but uh, I'm with you hundred percent. It would have been really nice. Uh, had the Obama center gone on the West side. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: there's then, a lot of history on the West side that sometimes get overlooked
2: too. Yes. So. All right. Very good. We've run out of time. Monroe Anderson, uh, Lakeisha Collins. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, state representative Collins. We've got to get you back on more often. I uh, appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and, mm-hmm. uh, also, want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of Alton, Illinois, without whom this show would be possible, and that would be the producer. Uh, and as Monroe and Lakeisha will say, tell you, back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D. Give yourself a raise, <laughs> take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everyone.
0: All right. Thanks, you